Hello and welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. On this month's episode, our focus turns to one of the biggest television networks in the UK, ITV, looking more specifically at their online streaming service, ITV Hub. Now, nearly every single one of us at some point would have encountered and watched our ITV programmes. Um, and over the last decade, an increasing amount of our engagement with ITV programming has been online, whether streaming live or watching on demand. Our ITV's video on demand service, ITV Hub, initially launched in 2008. And over time, it's facing increasing competition for viewer attention on a global scale. Think Amazon Prime, Netflix, Disney Plus. So with me to talk about how ITV Hub responds and adapts and continues to thrive is their head of product, Stuart Jones. Stu, welcome. Hiya. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Good to have you on. The ITV Hub is very much uh, your sort of baby, isn't it? You know, you're, you're the head of product. You're responsible for a lot of the content that goes on there. Can you just give us a little bit of a, an overview of what your role entails? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's certainly, you know, the, the, the product I've got a vested interest in. I think it's, it's such an accumulative effort, the ITV Hub as well, you know, and I think more so than any other place I've worked, there's been that investment from every area, you know, in terms of technology and design. There's a, there's a kind of real kind of family orientation around the ITV Hub and incrementing it into hopefully the success that people see it as today. I took over from a, a product management role and head of product management role probably about two and a half years ago, getting on for three years now. And, you know, I inherited a, a kind of really good kind of motivation and there's some good inertia behind progression and wanted to change the customer experience of the Hub. And I came in at a fortunate time when I was there to kind of ensure that the designs and the implementation of the customer experiences were kind of rolled through across all of our platforms as well and so it's been a it's been a really interesting three years and we are still kind of evolving and I think mm. as a landscape evolves in the VOD strategy we constantly have to try and look around our purpose and our position in the market and how we're perceived by our customers as well so that's predominantly my role is to make sure that between myself my team and the supporting teams that we have as well that we're focused very much on trying to ensure the customer and business values are achieved via the ITV Hub. And you touched on it at the start there, there's a bit of a family feel, I suppose, about in terms of the input towards ITV Hub and ITV as a general. I suppose part of that, does that come, would you say, from the sort of the history of ITV with it being such a long-standing company? I think it is, yeah. And I think there's also, you know, there's, there's people there that have been across almost every iteration of the Hub. And so what we have there is a lot of um, passion and desire for success. I think the, the 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 challenge that we all face is actually what is our intended outcome and desire for the for the platform. And I think as we've as we've kind of moved through that, I think there's been a lot of discussion around how we we kind of augment content and trying to make sure that we fulfill on not just the kind of customer remit, but also the business remit and also you know the the, the public remit as well of trying to ensure that we are a uh, a pillar of the community when it comes down to video on demand in uh, video on demand platforms in the UK. Uh, yeah, that that legacy certainly carries uh, through with ITV, and of course, um, historically, you know, you're it's a linear broadcast, it's analog. You know, obviously, one of the first television channels um, around. So, um, f- for such a large organisation to have had of having made that to have had to make that transition, sorry, into um, offering an on demand digital product must have been pretty challenging. I'd have thought for the business at the yeah. time. Yeah. I think I think this is the this is where the evolution comes in for us because the hub when it started was seen as an opportunity to ensure that people caught up on content they'd missed and the the, the problem with linear was always that if you missed that one episode and you didn't have the 
the VHS in to record or later, you know, you, you forgot to press the, this kind of record button on other, other devices, you kind of had nowhere to go. And, and so the, the service was really born out of how can we ensure that people can watch content they've missed. And so we, we predominantly became a catch up service and that's very much how we were seen. And our depth of content kind of reflects that when you look at kind of some of the other players in the market. And so to come from that place of saying, like, how can we be the experience of the customer who's missed the TV program that we wanted to watch on TV? You kind of start on a, on a slightly different foot. Then our, our legacy in that area has meant that we've gone through a change that, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime haven't, uh, where we've actually started to try and think about what are the changing customer journeys now in a modern landscape for VOD? And that's where we've kind of come back in and said, okay, let's let's kind of reevaluate what our kind of definition of a service is and let's see how we can really make sure the customers are getting what they need from that service as well. So that's really been the evolution over the last several years. Mm. And you, like you say, you've been in the role about three years or so. So obviously when you came in, ITV Hub was well, you know, it's well established platform. What was your view of it when you came in and, and how, how did you think you could improve it and shape it? Yeah, so I mean, the... I was an advocate of ITV and in the way that ITV probably didn't like in a sense in that I watched the football international matches and I watched the the kind of standalone content. I wasn't a big entertainment follower, so I wasn't watching the, the sort of um, X Factors or Love Islands. You know, they, they didn't appeal to me personally. So the platform for me, you know, I was kind of a target audience for them to try and grow. They wanted to grow the demographic like myself to watch more content. So what was good for me was I was able to come in with that mindset and think if I was this customer, I wanted to come and discover this content, how would I go about it? And so I think the design team had done a phenomenal job of, of sort of making sure the evolution of the customer experience was there. I guess this my take and my angle on this was trying to think about it from the end-to-end customer experience as a, as a kind of segment that ITV were chasing. But also to ensure that, and it is, you know, as a key remit of a product manager, is to make sure that the the business value is being derived from that as well. So we we kind of we have a. Um, I used to work at Channel Four, and so I've come in from the back of knowing what these challenges were from an AVOD platform, in the sense that a customer will always say that they want less adverts, and they will always say that they don't want you know they don't want to be interrupted by any upsell, and you know that that's kind of one of those key business drivers for us. So for me, it was kind of, how do we try and fit this experience in? You know, one of the levers I don't pull is the volume of advertising that we've got because there's substantial revenue tied into the distribution of advertising on the platform. But the levers I do have to have are kind of how we can make sure that customer experience is as good and as seamless as possibly can be to make advertising a tolerable, if not enjoyable experience for people as well. So that was the angle that I was kind of coming in to, to look at. and. Like I said, the, what I don't do as, as a head of products, and I don't think a product manager should do, is be almost the gatekeeper to design and experience. We have to foster that way of working collaboratively, and we have to try and make sure that the decisions that we make are based on business prioritization and trying to ensure that what the customer gets is what they require, but also lands up to that business goal. But we work incredibly closely with design teams to make sure that overall experience is the one that is fit for purpose. So that was really the culture that I was trying to bring in when I when I joined. Yes, it's fascinating hearing you talking about the, the sort of culture you want to bring in. I, I'll probably touch on that in, in a little bit because it's very sort of customer centric language, and it's all about you know the customer experience and and fitting the business priorities around the customer experience rather than the customer experience fitting around the, the business objectives as such. Um, just before I come on to that, though, you, um, a couple of things really. You've, 
we've touched on that, that competition that ITV Hub now has. You're not just competing with the, the traditional guys like BBC Channel Four, etc. Your terrestrial TV competitors. There's those global streaming services. What's the challenge in terms of positioning and in terms of competing for that? Yeah. I think, you know, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. One is that there's very different business models with inside Netflix and Amazon Prime. You know, Amazon Prime have got their um, £79 subscription fee, which ties in a lot of their services into that as well. And lots of people get Prime by virtue of having the necessity to get next day delivery. And that's a completely different business model. And theirs is much more about delivery of anything as opposed to purely just content and entertainment. Netflix are operating a subscription model only. And, you know, they... They have a phenomenal budget to be able to sort of spend a billion pound on on AI, you know, which they famously did back in 2018 as well to try and increase the personalization experiences that they've got. So the importance, the important thing is to try and retain the sense of purpose, you know, and be more than TV it was very much ITV's purpose and mission. And so we are trying to to not just be a place and destination to consume content, but the brand and the representation of that brand is really important as well. And so we we've, we want to make sure that our, our programming is given the, the kind of stellar experience and is made sure that people kind of see the true value of, of a program through a customer, an on-product customer experience. But we also have to try and make sure that we, we kind of balance the, the remit of the, of the nation as well, if, if that's not too grand a term to say, and make sure that we reflect that. And they're, they're the kind of, um, you know, Netflix and, and Prime don't necessarily see the necessities and, and the importance of that perhaps in the same way because they are global. But in a UK predominant business, what we want to try and do is speak to the UK population and give them an experience that is reflecting of that mood. And so we we have different types of, of, of um, objectives, if you like. But that's not to say we don't look at the likes of Netflix and Prime as and Disney Plus now as well as, um, as, as competition because it's all about eyeballs and consumption of your free time. But then we extend that to the likes of TikTok and Instagram. You know, there's different types of cons- consumption of media within a segment that we're really interested in pursuing. And it's not about trying to, you know, make a, a program that's going to stop people from using TikTok because that's just kind of almost an impossibility. It's about trying to find ways in which the experience can entice people in and give that sense of what the consumer is looking for on a platform like TikTok and create an experience with content potentially on a platform like ITV Hub. And, you know, we're, we're not there yet because, mm. you know, we've, we've new challenges present themselves every day. But that's how we kind of start thinking about how we can sort of resonate with younger demographics. Let's see how they're consuming content and let's see if we can, you know, better that or it can inspire an idea that we can try and influence people in a different way. That, I mean, yeah, super interesting. That. I mean, yeah, you could you could expand your competition out into so many things if you wanted to, but also you can use that competition actually to your advantage. And how can we utilize those services to you know improve our own uh, sort of content and voice? So you talked earlier about you know you ask you ask um, customers what they want less adverts. So, so ITV now actually offers that in terms of uh, you have ITV Hub Plus, um, which is of course an ad free service, and, and now is a, a I guess a direct revenue source for you from your viewers. Can you just talk talk to us a little bit about ITV uh, Hub Plus and the sort of demographics that perhaps it's currently appealing to, and where you're trying to go with it? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you know it, it kind of came about through again listening to the customers and listening to those those kind of feedbacks and there is definitely a group of people who were very interested in paying money to not consume the adverts the challenge and the balance is always going to be that the ad market fluctuates and so the cost of an advert at a certain time 
you know, is never static, which means that what's challenging with a static price point for something like Hub Plus is we've got to always try to weigh up the, the kind of value of that for us. And so there's a clear correlation between the more ads we show, the more interest in Hub Plus, the more kind of content orientated around trying to binge that content, and Love Island's a good example of that, then people consume Hub Plus. Now, we, we had a, it wasn't just an ad-free proposition um, before this year, we, we were able to, uh, to consume content abroad. That was another Hub Plus offering is that you could watch abroad. And the reason for that was because we, we again, knew there was people who wanted to, to watch that content out of the country, but there was an overhead on us to be able to provide that service. So therefore, we, we saw this as an opportunity to use that revenue to improve that service of being able to watch abroad. The, the EU regulations that came in following Brexit have meant we're not able to do that anymore. So as a service, we have to try and look at ways in which we can maximise that opportunity and potential and try and upsell in, in kind of different ways. And downloading content is a way that we've, we've tried to do that as well. So the service is there because it fits into the, into the, the kind of um, demographic of people who don't want to consume adverts and also watch a lot of VOD content as well because the adverts are still there when they're watching simulcast or live stream content so for us it's um it's a really positive story it's a really great story the numbers are kind of reflective of that the the opportunity is to is there to increase it further as well because we see the the demand and i think you know the richer our content becomes and the more opportunity we've got to try and maximize the the kind of binge you know culture with that content as well we're going to see an uptick, hopefully, in, in that area. Absolutely. Um, we're covering quite a lot of topics here, so <laughs> we'll dive... No, no, it's really good. We'll dive into um, uh, culture, yeah, the sort of culture that you've uh, adapted, I suppose, and uh, brought in in your role as head of product. So we've, we've, talked, a little, we've talked there so that sort of around that customer-centric approach. Um, how, yeah, I suppose, how, how have you evolved and, um, adapt, you know, innovated that? Uh, approach to and what kind of culture changes have taken place since you've you've been there i've, tr I've tried to sort of join um dots together you could say i think again when it, when i came into itv i was surprised positively surprised by the wealth of customer insight we had we have a fantastic customer research team and they're dedicated to asking customers questions around what the service should be and, and i literally came in at the point where um, i think it was in my first if not my first day or my first week where there was customer research sessions taking place. And it was great to see because I've worked in so many companies that talk about customer research, but don't actually follow through on it or see the value. And I think one of the cultural changes I tried to make was the usage of that research. Because, you know, it's one thing to ask customers and get their insight, but it's another thing altogether to take that back into the experience. And it wasn't necessarily that it was, you know, being ignored. It was more maybe the, the, the kind of questions we were asking were broad questions. And what we needed to do was focus on more myopic and, and ask some very specific questions about certain things. There's the eight old adage as well, you know, that customer will tell you one thing, but do something different. Mm. So what we had to try and do is understand whether the pain point was real and genuine and data was enabling us to, to do that. So really the culture I was trying to focus was to try and say, let's take the information and let's better use that with data to try and understand what what we are actually learning from from the questions that we're asking. I think though the the biggest change I was trying to make was to try and move product management away from product ownership. And by that I mean 
product ownership is a role that you play with inside the scrum team and it shouldn't be all encompassing you know the, the product manager role is is the the product manager is the job and the role is the product owner and so the amount of time that the product owners were spending on a delivery with a delivery mindset meant there wasn't the opportunity to think about how the customer and the data kind of relates and so my, my kind of constant task i think over the last two and a half years has been to try and move away the perception of product management as being a product owner role that is predominantly played in Scrum and is much more about working day-to-day, hour-by-hour with with a um, development team, but instead trying to treat that as a role that's played with inside Scrum. And the product management job is one where discovery takes place. So it's really trying to shift that balance away from being a kind of using our time to one day a week of discovery and four days a week to support delivery and you know engineering questions and functions to, to shift in that the other way around to try and get it to be you know more of a, a kind of 70 30 split in favor of doing more discovery work yeah so i guess in simple terms are more strategic and thinking rather than necessarily just delivery and doing um so, and, and just to sort of bring good growth into this um we, we've sort of been working with you on i know a, a number of sort of insight and innovation aspects with you how how has good growth helped in, in achieving this sort of viewer-led mindset yeah yeah it's been brilliant because the it was bringing in the subject matter expertise and the maturity around experimentation that allowed us to sort of learn from good growth so that was always a a, a key big win for us but secondly to understand the value of the experimentations and the tests that we were doing as well because it's back to that point about you know if we haven't got time to really focus on experimentation and testing then we really don't have time to evaluate what's important for our for our business and for our customers and so what good growth did was they they kind of augmented our knowledge in the area and they also helped us with that sort of cognitive capacity. The one one thing I was really keen to not do was just say experimentation is done by somebody else, mm. because in that moment you you kind of outsource one of the fundamental insights that a product management team have, which is um, experimentation and knowledge about the success or failure rates of something. What was much more beneficial was to to um, utilize the experience inside with inside good growth, which has been phenomenal to better help us to, to be better product managers, if you like, by giving us that, that kind of time space and the, the cognitive capacity to think about experimentation, but also to help us support us in asking the right questions when it came down to it as well. And as an aside, you know, also the, the, the kind of technical experience and implementation of that meant that our own engineering teams weren't necessarily consumed by an experiment or test. So it's really helped us culturally to think about experimentation, and it's also helped us tactically to think about how we can accelerate the speed of that as well. And can you just give any specific examples, I suppose, of where perhaps this sort of change in culture has actually been successful and, and, any, and examples of what you've achieved with that? Yeah, yeah, I think the, I mean, to put it in a in really broad sense, you know, experimentation was something which was, well, it was almost a, a kind of unaccessible tool when I when kind of came in to product managers because a lot of a lot of the hope was born out of necessity and so when you've got to when you're moving in such a fast-paced market you 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 kind of make sure you make quick decisions um, at times to fulfill on a very specific need and there was a very specific need at a point in time to do an experiment and therefore using a, a tool that was lightweight and easy to implement and that was the right thing to do and it was it was engineering led so for us to try and 
introduce that conversation into the product managers. What we didn't want to have was a tool that was inaccessible to us. But equally, what we didn't want to do was start a piece of work that meant we were going to constantly reevaluate testing tools all the time because you kind of you constantly chasing your tail in doing that. So I think the, the, the first the first point there is that good growth allowed us to focus our attention on a conversation about experimentation and so that we, we never had that before. Experimentation was something that was an afterthought and it was probably too, I'm probably being too harsh there, but it was certainly not something that we considered first and foremost because of the overhead it took to do a simple experiment. So they allowed us to kind of have a specific moment in time, once a week conversation about experimentation. So that's the first cultural change because it meant there was a forum and a group of people who were discussing a very specific topic and good growth were able to make sure that that, that topic was facilitated and went in the right direction. And then when it came down to the more practical points, um, the experiments that we were running alongside um, Upsell for Hub Plus is a good example. And experimenting with seeing whether we were getting um, better acquisition from um, certain positionings on the website of certain Upsell messages. And we, we kind of always knew where we would get good traction. We always knew where that, that kind of acquisition tipping point was with inside our platform of we could sell a Love Island banner around upselling Hub Plus on the Love Island episode page and that would see good traction because we could easily target that audience. Mm. Trying to bring in different ways of thinking about it which weren't just kind of, you know, in a sledgehammer way and think, actually, what would happen if we remove this nav bar completely from this upsell page? Now, what would happen if we um, changed the order in which we advertised the benefits of Hub Plus on that, on that same page as well? I think one, one challenge we've got in, in the industry is how you remove content and the success of content from that. So what I mean there is if we experimented with Inside Love Island Week, we'd see a tremendous amount more traffic on the site. Now that would potentially skew the, the kind of um, the experiment. And content is always the, the, the challenge for us is how we remove the, the specific success of a piece of content to determine the success of an experiment. So on the hub, we've got what we call rails or other people call them shelves. They are just ways that you can scroll left to right through content. And each content is obviously means something different to different people. So it's very difficult to say, we're gonna experiment with the order of this content inside here. Because if you do that, you end up sort of trying to, you, you have to try and remove the popularity of that piece of content from there as well. So if Love Island was in slot one, and we had a, a kind of ITV3 drama in slot two. It's not to say that people are more interested in slot one than slot two. It's maybe just to say more people are interested in Love Island. Mm -hmm. So what Good Growth allowed us to try and do is sort of think about that challenge around how we can extrapolate content's kind of success from the experimentation that we were running and think about it very much as leading metrics on the platform itself as opposed to um, the success rate of content specific kind of programs yeah yeah some real there's so many different variables there i suppose isn't there in, in experimentation and, and why you might be seeing the result that you're seeing uh, i just want to finish on looking ahead um uh, we've seen that um just even over the last five years how quickly um competitors come to the market how quickly these streaming services adapt and change how do you see uh, perhaps broadly the market evolving over time and, and itv amongst it within that I think I think just to start with ITV, I think we um, we know like you know the 
evolution continues and one one thing we're very conscious of is is the our, our content depth when compared to competitors as well so i think that's something that's that's obvious and what we want to try and do is be uh, a place where you would consider the itv hub as a destination for discovery of content so if you're at home on a friday saturday night and you want to find something to watch on tv we've got to be in consideration in your mind for that and the way you we, we go about doing that is to ensure that when you land on the on the products that it's not just the content is there for you to watch but you can discover or you're you're kind of um you're targeted with content that we think you're going to like and so there's lots of different plays i've mentioned inside there then so one is around the, the personalization experience and using recommendations to make sure that we target people in the right way at the right time Second one is around how we kind of create an experience that allows the content to stand out. And there's various ways we can do that in terms of tagging and making sure we have rich components or we have more visibility of the content, at, you know, higher parts of the website that get more traction than the, the lower parts. And so we have lots of different platforms, iOS, Android, connected television, uh, browser, we've got to think about all these user experiences because they're all very different, you know. Mm -hmm. So watching on your phone is a very different user experience in a probably a very different setting than compared to if you're watching in front of your TV with your family. So we've got to try and think about all these permutations of how content can be displayed. And for us, that that's kind of where we are focused on creating the discovery platform of, of ITV Hub and ensuring that we, we give the consumer the content they want to see, but also allow them to be aware of content that they don't know potentially exists on the hub as well. So that that's kind of the direction of travel for ITV. In terms of where the, the kind of market's heading, I mean, I've got I've got young young children. I've got um, a seven year old and a ten year old, two boys, and they've never really watched an ad funded service. They don't really know adverts exist and it becomes no more evident at Christmas time when you say, <laughs> what, you, what do you want for Christmas? They've got absolutely no idea because they haven't <laughs> consumed any adverts. And I pay for YouTube um, premium and I pay for it because the, the, the amount of YouTube and short form content they watch is phenomenal. And so well, within the limits of what we let them, but they, they will just watch gaming video after gaming video of, of Minecraft. And if I if I didn't pay for that um, that ad free service, they would be bombarded constantly with adverts. So from 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 their point of view, they they're kind of growing up in a world that adverts doesn't exist. But I, they also don't appreciate the cost that's related into that experience. And it's similar with Amazon Prime as well. There's no kind of tangible cost related to them watching all of this content. And so I think you know that that's just kind of a very very young demographic. And I think. If, that, if that's kind of future direction, it's 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 kind of fast, quick, consumable content that's uninterrupted, and that's what they they thrive on, you know. And so, trying to sort of see how that is going to project into the future is 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 kind of challenging because mm. you, we've got platforms like TikTok now, which are kind of you know less than a minute long of pieces of content, yet consume hours of people's time a day, and not not in the creation and just the consumption. And so, again, you know, as, as a kind of young consumer, you're not aware of how that's actually funded. And I think that that's kind of a danger in, in a certain sense. How do, how do kind of people appreciate that their data is being used to fund that experience? And so the, the kind of scaremongering, you know, pessimist in me is worried that the future looks more like, you know, um, 
data revenue as opposed to, to kind of financial revenue or kind of AVOD services mm. like ourselves. So I think, you know, to try and make sure that we we give an honest reflection around, and ITV have got, got that in abundance. We, we give an honest reflection about the revenue stream because we serve people with adverts and there's a clear trade-off benefit inside there as well. So my, my kind of worry for the future is people don't appreciate the trade-off value they're making to consume content and where that leads is, is scary. I think, you know, we can't get past looking at content which is generated kind of uh, through automation and artificial intelligence. I think that again would is a second sort of tier of targeting, which which terrifies me to an extent as well, because I'm not sure you know it's it's going to it's going to potentially work, and the dangers of that could be could be huge. But in the immediate future, you know, I see there is still a kind of content war going on in terms of acquisition. You just need to look at like the U.S. office in America mm. and how that bounces around between platforms because of the popularity. A few years ago, Friends was the most popular show on Netflix still. And so, you know, th these programs are still carrying huge amounts of weight and still costing huge amounts of money as well. So I think there's still that, that kind of debate around, would anyone ever come in, truly aggregate all of this content? And the cost of that would be absolutely phenomenal to try and do as well. So I still think there's, there's kind of five or so years left of the kind of content war. And then I think the, the, the future might shift in a completely different direction. Yeah, fascinating, uh, fascinating thoughts. Um, the point I'm hanging on to there is really, the, I think, the data revenue and the financial revenue and see how that may shift um, over the next few years. Um, some brilliant insights uh, there, Stu. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate you talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yes.